0: so I kind of rushed through that because I've already recorded that. This is my second time going through. I didn't realize how upset I was. Um, I haven't had to do that in a while where I'm really angry. I rant and rave and then I realize this is not a good idea. This is a bad idea. You can't yell at your own audience. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing and I'll just try to stay away from that as best as I can. Two takeaways for the day. Number one, great game. Number two, the fan base is absolutely out of control, and what I'm going to try to do is give you all a pass because you're all up in your emotions because of an election. I don't I don't know that that's the reality, but I'm going to pretend it. And, I, and listen, I know that it's a thing. I've seen nothing on Twitter and whatnot about, I don't even care about this game, I'm so distraught. People at work are telling me their wives just, like can't sleep at night or some crazy stuff. My numbers for the podcast have absolutely plummeted over the, since the election. Like, people just don't care about football. But the problem is, people that don't care about football right now and are very in their emotions right now, go on social media and t- take out their frustration on other Packer fans and the Packers and Packers players and everything else. Please stop. Please stop. And for the record, the This Didn't Age Well crowd is just as obnoxious, maybe slightly less obnoxious, but it's up there with the uh, you know whining and complaining crew. So people are complaining about MVS because he dropped a pass, which I think is perfectly rational to be upset with MVS because he has not done anything for this team. He's dropping everything. And then he goes on to t- catch two touchdown passes. And, of course, all these people come out of the shadows and want to start attacking people. For Granted, some people maybe take it too far. And I think as a general rule, don't complain in the first quarter. In fact, don't complain until after the game's over. There's a reason why recording the podcast the next morning as opposed to that night is a good idea for me because I need some time to process, especially after a loss. But we can't wait until the end of the first drive to start declaring things way too early. But I mean, seriously though, think about it. So we we know that it's possible you're going to look like a complete idiot if you complain about certain things, right? And if you're willing to take that risk, I guess go for it. But the the amount of... I just, it's its just such a weird thing to me. That this didn't age well crowd. I, I just, I don't really get it. Like, do you, does that make you th- seem smart? Like, you, you always knew? And are you saying you support MVS? Like, what—what what is your official stance? Or is your stance just, I feel like making feel, someone feel like crap today? And I know that's how social media is. I'm just talking to you as an individual. Because at the end of the day, you got to live with you. Right? I mean, I, I understand everyone else is a piece of crap. But do you, you don't want to, you don't want to be that way, do you? I certainly don't. And so when I see somebody going on a rant and rave about MVS, I'm, I you know, my first thought is to shudder because, ooh, yikes. But my next thought isn't, hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make him feel like a complete piece of crap because that's the kind of guy I am. I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. You do what you got to do, I guess. Just strolling through social media like, who can I make feel like crap today? I don't know. That's, I, you do you. And, and I, I mean, I genuinely feel like people that do that think that they're being a good person when they do it, which is just staggering to me. Because, you know, you're rushing to the defense of MVS, and that makes you a superhero. Except I don't really think so. Again, neither party is 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 great in my mind. And it, the reason I was so upset today, and I need to cut myself off because I'm about to get heated again. I woke up this morning after the Packers absolutely annihilated the 49ers. This is such a big win for this team for so many reasons. This, is, this should be... A great moment for the Packers, but why should we expect that? We don't. We don't seem to care. I wake up today and it's nothing but bickering and fighting and whining and complaining. People crying about everything and whining and moaning. And then there's the other half of the people just coming in, making them feel like garbage for that. It's just, it's just toxic. God, you don't have to put everything you're thinking on social media. You really, really don't have to. Especially if we're like in the first quarter. Call your mommy and tell her about your feelings. Stay off social media. Because although I don't like the, you know, I told you so crowd or the that didn't age well crowd, you absolutely deserve it. Just so you know, two things can be true at once. They're not being very good people for doing that, but also you deserve it. And it's just, yeah, I'm just scrolling through like, you know, usually after a win, you feel good like, yeah, we won, everybody's celebrating. Nope, people just fighting. (sighs) I don't know. People are starting to crack, man. I mean, it's just, it's just, people are just getting so angry. I've never had so many people, I, I don't know in all the years of having my podcast if I've ever had anyone ever come to me and say, hey, this person is out of control, you got to get rid of them. I've had that happen, I want to say like six or seven times over the last week or two. It's unbelievable. We just annihilated the the, the the team that embarrassed us twice last year. The Packers just absolutely stomped their face into a puddle, and we can't enjoy it. Just just incredible. It's incredible to me. I have to stay off my own Facebook page because people have just turned that into a uh, a, a toxic sludge. I mean, just go. I mean, the the first post I see is negative. The second post I see is negative. I'm not gonna call anybody out, but you know, third post I thought it was positive, but it was sarcasm. And we got Tyler Irvin, love, right? Sweet. We got somebody mad about the lack of Super Bowls. Blaine being sarcastically negative, because I think he's about as frustrated with the negativity as I am. But of course, people get in the comments and start yelling at him <laughs> for being negative, because they don't know it's a joke. Uh, we got more negative. I mean, there's there's some positive in here, but it's it's you know 60% negative. I just, and again, just in general, even if the Packers are losing, I'd rather not see 60% negative. As far as I'm concerned, the Packers beat the 49ers 34-3 to because those last two touchdowns just kind of... I mean, the last one in particular did absolutely did not count. Zero chance. You want to give them 34-10, fine. I'm saying 34-3-ish. to An absolute annihilation, which is exactly what we would want. I, I, I don't care about injuries. We got injuries, too. We didn't have any running backs. We don't have our number two wide receiver. We don't have our left tackle. Oh, they didn't have their tight end. Eh, we don't have a tight end either, so we're even. I don't care. By the way, just so we're clear, their defense is not nearly as decimated as their offense. By the way, just so we're clear, this defense is much better in its current form than the Vikings last week. So let's not pretend putting up 34 points against this defense that is still in decent shape, is still a talented defense, and is built to stop teams like the Packers, and has embarrassed the Packers the last two times they played. I understand Bosa's a big loss, but it's not like the whole defense is gone. It's not. The Packers moved the ball with ease and they embarrassed the 49ers in front of the entire world. And, and I just wish we could come together and be excited about it. Let's look. Let's start over today. Can we do that? Can we do that? Like anything I said to you that was upset, I, I apologize. Let's start today different. It's Friday, right? We got the weekend coming up. Let's get off to a good start, man. The, the, this is This is everything we could have asked for every single thing. The defense was fantastic. The offense was fantastic. It was a blowout win, which we've been missing. The offense is back on track, which we've been missing. We embarrassed the 49ers in front of the entire world, which is massively, massively impactful. Hopefully this is a a unifying thing for the team to come together and just, I mean, it's just everything is amazing about this. I know the world sucks right now. I'm just asking you, to buy a punching bag and go take it out in your garage. Not in the Facebook group, not in Flick Chat, not on Twitter, not on your own Facebook page. Don't let other people suffer because of your misery. We're all miserable too. We're also living in 2020. Please don't make my day worse, okay? And I'm going to try not to make your day worse. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to make everybody's day a little bit better. I don't know what I can do to do that. Hopefully this podcast will help you out, assuming you made it this far and didn't turn it off because I've offended you. But, but from this moment on, let's talk about this amazing football game in, in which the Packers destroyed the 49ers. Can we do that? It's just a thought. I know I'm picking on you. I'm sorry. I You know, little thing I like to call tough love. And by the way, nine times out of ten when I'm lecturing you, I'm lecturing myself as well. There was a point in the game in which I told my friend I'm planning on going to bed at halftime. Okay? So I understand. Right, we drove down the field, got a touchdown, which means zero to me. Because we've done that in every game, including the games in which we got embarrassed. Then they drove down the field, which is frustrating. We stopped them to a field goal, but it's still like, oh, shoot, this is scaring me. Then we kicked, We ended up punting, I think, on the next drive, and then they started driving down the field, and I thought, we're actually going to lose to the 49ers. I can't believe this. See? That's me doing that thing. But it, it felt that way, didn't it? And then you got MVS dropping passes. You just, you feel, it didn't feel like those games in which we dominate a team. It felt like one of those games in which we don't. So I get it. I'm just saying. It's a great day. Today is a fantastic day. I don't know where you're at, but here in Wisconsin, it's been like 70s all week. It's November. It's ridiculous. I mean, not really 70s, but I mean, it's like getting into that. I think it was a little bit yesterday. Might be today. Beautiful weather. Great football. And guess what? You and your family are still here, regardless of who the president is. I stand by what I said. Don't worry about them. They're all a bunch of crooks and liars. Don't worry about them. You do your own thing. Some of you, you can't help it. Right? I work for the federal government, so it's going to impact me in some kind of way. But whatever, that's why I get up at three in the in the morning and fight and scratch and claw to make my own way in life. I'm not doing very well, <laughs> but I'm trying. I don't want to depend on anybody else. I want to do it myself. So let's do that. Let's stop worrying about everybody else. Can can we agree? Let's. All right, I'm assuming you agreed by now. I don't know. I'm trying to convince you. You probably agreed five minutes ago. I just there's one guy in the back who doesn't agree. I'm trying to get him to agree. All right. He just agreed, so let's move on. So why don't we start by just kind of reading off what happened. First of all, score-wise, again, the, the first quarter was the anxiety-riddled quarter, I think. And the reason for that is, as I said, the Packers scored. They didn't score the rest of the first quarter. The 40s, 49ers went down and scored their first drive and then got the ball back right away. And so again, that was like peak anxiety moment. However, it ended 7-3. The defense did their job and made sure that this didn't get out of hand, which, again, Injuries or not, there's no guarantee. The reason you and I felt anxiety at that moment is because we know, despite the injuries, this is an NFL football team with the capability of driving down the field and scoring touchdowns. So this is where we got to do a better job of being consistent. If we're going to give them a hard time when they don't do their job, fine. But then we got to give them credit when they do do their job. If you know for a fact that it's possible the 49ers can win when they don't win, credit the defense for that. It doesn't make any sense to say we're going to lose, and then we don't lose and say, well, yeah, well, I mean, obviously we didn't lose because, you know, I mean, it's a bad football team. No, 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 no. Pick a lane there, brother man. I thought the defense, we'll get into specifics later, but I thought the defense in certain facets did a fantastic job, which, by the way, Jarek McKinnon is not some kind of rookie bum out of nowhere. He's a very good running back. He's a guy that I've been saying for a long time is starter caliber, but he's constantly just getting buried behind other guys. I like Jarek McKinnon. I thought he was a great running back in Minnesota. Every time he's ever stepped up to the to the plate, he's done a great job. And so when you look at this team that has an offensive line that is built to be great run blockers, I know they're not all that great as an offensive line. Same with the Vikings, by the way. So again, what's the excuse? But you got this offensive line that that is drilled in run blocking with Jarek McKinnon running behind him. There's no reason why Jarek McKinnon couldn't have gashed us. In other words, unless the defense intervenes and wins and does their job, we're going to get gashed again on the ground. We didn't. Therefore, our guys did their job. So, second quarter, Packers went up 14-0. Third quarter, Packers went up another 10-0. Then it wasn't until the fourth quarter that things flipped because, again, garbage football. It's thirty-one to three at this point. So yeah, they won fourteen-three in the fourth quarter. But again, I think they're both garbage. hundred percent, the last one was garbage. If you want to give them that final touchdown, fine. But I, I in my opinion, by the end of the third quarter, this game was over. It was thirty-one to three, and then the Packers popped it into neutral. Still got a field goal out of it. But uh, Aaron Rodgers had a great day. He had it was it was a little shaky. Right? There was a one pass that sailed, and it's stuff like that that makes you nervous because it's a very rhythm centered offense. When when things aren't clicking. And the thing that scared me is Aaron Rodgers looked good, Devontae looked great, everybody was kind of doing a good job, the offensive line looked good, but Aaron Rodgers was the one that made me nervous. Now fortunately, he didn't have very many incompletions outside of that, he was 25 of 31, only 6 incompletions, he had 4 touchdowns. He had 2 more incompletions than touchdowns in this game, so again, that one pass that sailed on him was a complete fluke, which is nice, because usually it's, it's on or off, right? He's a light switch. He's either wide open, or he's all the way off. But in this game, there was a couple little blips. Otherwise, it was great. 25-31, 305 yards, four touchdowns. Um, inter- maybe I'll just interject as we go. Quick interjection about the offensive line. I understand the position of um, why is it we need to pay David Bakhtiari. It seems like we're fine without them. I had somebody tag me yesterday um, in a thing on Twitter, something about we need to stop hating on Billy Turner. He's a great offensive lineman, all this stuff. No, look, I... I'm not going to hate on him because he did a great job yesterday. The question isn't, can you handle a team that doesn't have any pass rushers, which would be the 49ers and the Vikings, the two teams that we faced without David Bakhtiari. The question is, when you've got a guy like Bosa, what's the difference between Bosa and Bakhtiari and Bosa and Billy Turner? If you don't think there's any difference there, cool. Let's go ahead and cut David Bakhtiari or Khalil Mack or Everson Griffin or Trey Flowers. I know ever since, well, he, I think he's a lion now. Could say Daniel Hunter, but I think he usually lines up on the other side. Point is, that's the difference. And no, Billy Turner has consistently graded out as a pretty poor offensive lineman. He's done decent, and he's he's fine as long as, again, it's just, it's what do you want. And I understand that the, the argument of, like, is, he, is David Bakhtiari that much better? But again, the, the point is, when you get to these critical games, when you're faced with teams like the 49ers, and I know he got wrecked by Bosa, but how much worse is it going to be when it's Billy Turner? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not content, because two teams with zero, count them, zero pass rushers didn't get a sack against Billy Turner, at least I don't think they did. I don't know how he did. I have no idea. We'll find out what PFF says. We'll see if Coach Hahn takes a look at it. I know uh, Coach is very uh, complimentary of our guys, especially. I doubt he would say a bad word, but we'll see. But that's that's my contention now. Clearly the offensive line is doing a good job now. My concern is what happens when a really premier pass rusher gets lined up and we need to t- take him away from the game. right? It's, it's kind of like, you know, Kadar Holman came in and played in place of uh, Jair. How bad did that hurt? So if I went on social media and started trashing you for all your uh, talk about how Jair's so good and, uh, you know, it's just, why should we even pay him? What's the point? He doesn't deserve a big contract. Kadar Holman came in did just as good when he went out with a concussion. You're not understanding. I need Jair not because he's going up against a team with practice squad wide receivers. I need Jair for the next time we go up against Jefferson and Thielen or Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson or Calvin Ridley. You get my point? It's a little silly to say, let's just put Kadar in, and then we don't have to pay Jair. Simple. Duh. Anybody can go in and just be a corner. Anybody can go in and just be a left tackle. It's not a big deal. It's a little silly. So that's my current stance. I mean, the guys played admirably. I I thought they did a good job. They held their own. My concern is when you go up against the top of the top and being flippant about a guy that is one of the best pass blockers in the entire NFL, I, I don't know that I can be quite so flippant about it. I mean, if we're talking about running back or you know some other kind of position okay you can make an argument that it's not that big of a drop off so it's it's okay to just save the money but left tackle Mm, I guess we'll see I don't know again I I can't say that he can't do it either maybe he can maybe he can go in and, and handle the best of the best point is we haven't seen it and I think it's silly to say that he can do it just because he's gone up against the worst pass rushers in football I mean, they—they they, neither of these team has pass rushers, so we'll see how it goes. Um, again, the guys that came in did a good job. Runyon again, I really like the guy. The few times I actually just keyed in on him when I heard he came in, um, real nasty physical guy. But again, what, you know what happens when you get up against better competition and whatnot. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Aaron Jones. This was—you uh, know—you look at games like this and and also games when Jones goes out. Same with Bakhtiari, but, but again not a lot of bad happened, But but those are the kinds of games where you think this guy just made himself a lot of money and I'm 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 flip flopping back and forth so many times on this. I know the numbers say you don't pay Aaron Jones. I know everything says you pay him and then things fall apart and it's not great and that was a waste of money. I, I understand that, but this team is just different when he plays. You know, I think we put a lot of that on Alan Lazard, but Aaron Jones, man, I mean his ability to turn a three yard run into a seven yard run is not a minor thing. His ability to find the hole and and make a guy miss in a tight space and spin his way to a couple extra yards and just, he's just such a special, and he has been since he got here. There's just something special about the guy. Add in his receiving ability and everything else. I mean, he is he changes the dynamic of this offense, and it really makes you wonder, and I don't know if this is the case, but as much as we've been putting on Alan Lazard and needing that number two wide receiver, maybe what we've been missing is Aaron Jones. And it's it's a tough spot to be in because you know the numbers say don't pay him, and you know you just drafted AJ Dillon to be that guy, and maybe if they have enough time, Jamal and Dillon, and and they're not bad. I like that duo. They're a lot of fun to watch. But again, you can't watch this and say that this offense isn't different with him. So I don't I don't know what to do. If if we don't pay him, I get it. If we pay him, I get it. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. I don't know how it works. Um, I still think Bakhtiari's number one on my list of guys to pay um kevin king i don't think is on my list i don't have any desire to pay him i know it's a bit i know how bad it can get and i understand it's going to be a similar situation well okay well you're going to miss him when he's gone yeah probably a little bit there are probably certain guys i mean he's great in the red zone he's a fantastic like I, i i still to this day maybe once somebody's caught a touchdown over him in the red zone it just it very rarely happens he also does a good job down the field i mean he's he does some certain things well but the amount of money he's probably gonna want i just don't think he's earned it um lindsley I, I have a hard time with just because again i know we're gonna struggle to find somebody quite as good but they're kind of a dime a dozen man even though he's playing out of his mind this year his pff grade is about as high as it gets but over the years i've looked at it and it's like you know the number one center might be like an 84 overall grade whereas the the number 20 center is like a 72 so it's, there's just there's not a big drop off in centers it's just and i i don't want to i know it matters i absolutely do but I'm also confident that the ability to find a guy that can play center um, is is achievable. And again, it kind of comes down to how much money does he want. But if, if 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 I posed it this way, is it easier to find a replacement Corey Lindsley or a replacement Aaron Jones in terms of their impact on this team? I honestly think the 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 answer is Corey Lindsley, and I like Corey Lindsley a lot. I I was. I was the guy banging the table for Corey Lindsley back when we already had a center, and um, nobody really wanted Corey, and it was for a stupid reason. It's because he bench-pressed like 500 pounds, but I didn't care. I thought it would be awesome to get this big, mean, bad mauler in there. He's done a great job for the team, but I might be to the point where I pay Jones over Lindsley, and I know that's stupid, but I just I can't ignore what I just saw. I can't ignore the fact that I don't know if this offense gets moving against the 49ers if Aaron Jones isn't there. Now, with that said... Big shout out to Tyler Irvin. By the way, Aaron Jones, 15 carries. I thought he had more than that. I thought they said he had like 18, and then he ran like three more times. I don't know. Anyways, oh, maybe that was touches. 15 carries, 58 yards, 3.9 yard average. Everything about that doesn't seem correct, but that's fine. I know he got bottled up a lot, especially toward the end when they knew that they were just running. Tyler Irvin, 8 carries, 24 yards, 3.0 yards uh, per carry. Again, I I like what Tyler brings. I actually thought he reminded me a lot of Aaron Jones, the way that he moves and his his kind of shiftiness in the hole. He's not as good as Aaron Jones. He's kind of like Aaron Jones light, but he's got a good amount of speed and something about just how shifty he is. I mean, both of these guys go down on first contact. They're not very big guys. Uh, it's the only big knock I have on Aaron Jones is if somebody gets like a finger on his ankle, he's going down. But um, I, I was content with it. And again, Tyler Irvin brings that extra dynamic. If he was just a running back, I wouldn't be a fan, but the fact that he can handle himself as a running back, he has that breakaway potential. He can be a receiver. He's in that jet motion all the time to kind of draw off this, that, or the other. He'll take the sweeps on occasion. You can split him out at wide receiver. I mean, he's he's a good weapon to have for this. I'm I'm happy we have him. Uh, Malik Taylor getting it done with one rush for nine yards. He did a fantastic job. It didn't look like that was going anywhere. I'm con- I continue to be baffled by the amount of times we use the the bigger, not necessarily fast guys on these sweeps. It's strange to me. I don't know if it's just because you know there's going to be contact and you want them to be able to break through it or what, but you would think Tyler Irvin, MVS, maybe even EQ, you want to use some guys with some speed. And we bust out Malik Taylor. It's just maybe it's cuz it's unexpected. They see Malik Taylor in motion, they're like, "Oh yeah, right." So you catch him flat-footed. I have no idea, but I loved it. You got 9 yards on it. Uh Dexter, I've always been a fan of Dexter. I don't I don't know that uh I mean, he did have the highest yard per carry, two carries for eight yards. I love his juice, man. That, that's what I've always liked about Dex. I, and I didn't like him coming out of college. I watched him in college, and I was like, "This, I don't understand the pick. I don't really like it. But when he got to the pros, as soon as he touches that ball, he is shot out of a cannon. And, 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 similar to what I say about A.J. Dillon, if he ever finds a little bit of a hole, he's going to just he's gonna just kill somebody Dif- in a different way. Like A.J. Dillon is going to get up to speed. There's going to be a, a, a lone safety or corner out there trying to make a tackle. He's going to get killed. Dexter, if, if he hits a hole, man, he's just going to sh- get shot through there like he's, you know, shot out of a cannon. I, I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, Rodgers had his seven-yard scramble. That was fantastic. He just he realized, hey, I can beat this guy and just hit the Jets, and he got a first down. That was fantastic. Uh, Lovett got in the mix, three carries, six yards, about what you would expect, two yards per carry. Tim Boyle lost a yard. What a loser. He was on a kneel down. I'm kidding, but it's funny either way. In the receiving category, Devontae Adams had himself another day. I mean, this is... You want to talk about historic, man. I mean, this guy is on pace to just, on a per-game basis because he's dealing with injuries, but 10 receptions, 173 yards, 17.3 yards per attempt, one touchdown. That's the other exciting thing about um, not only his stats being 17.3 yards per whatever, the amount of deep shots the Packers took and were successful with. I mean, I, I thought Aaron Rodgers was about to miss on a bunch of these. He hit them. He hit uh, every, almost every single one of these, I think. So when when that gets going, that's when things are really going well. Um, the the deep ball is real fleeting, whether it's you know just not a good decision, not a good throw, not a good route. But man, there's there's occasionally, and I, I I know at least once this year, very similarly, they were just hitting them down the field like left and right. I don't know if it was the Lions or what game that was, but uh, they they hit it again, and Devontae was a big part of that. Um, mvs obviously was massive he's always been big in the yard per reception category and that's obviously going to go through the roof again uh two receptions 53 yards for a 26.5 yard per reception average uh two touchdowns so that's what you get from mvs man and it, and it, and again it doesn't move the needle for me on him he has one of these a year one or two of these per year where you get him on the big plays and it, it's massively impactful but the the real thing for me is it's not okay, MVS is back. He's the guy. We got to get... Nah. I still have a lot of reservations. I still think he's going to probably ghost for the rest of the year. Maybe he'll pop up once or twice again this year. And I'm grateful for when he does it. The The big thing for me is how important that kind of stuff is and finding a guy that can do it more consistently. Because you see how important it is. Yes, Will Fuller would have been a good example of that, but let's move on it wasn't very realistic anyways let's move over onto the the draft and there's plenty of options in the draft wide receivers are plentiful probably not taking a wide receiver in the first round because it's the Packers but maybe in the second round we get ourselves a guy that can uh that can fill that role uh Irvin four receptions 48 yards 12 per reception fantastic job by him Aaron Jones had five for 21 Robert Tanyan had one for five. Shepard had one for three. Mercedes, one reception, one yard for one touchdown. Jay Sternberger, one reception, one yard. Which, by the way, that was about as frustrating as it gets, man. He caught that for about a four-yard gain. He runs back three yards and gets tackled. As just the most frustrating. Like, he's trying to be, what, Devontae Adams? You're a tight end, dude. Run forward. Come on, Jace. Defense, um... You could say it was up and down. It was real frustrating at first. The pressure wasn't getting there, but I think that really picked up. And I know that the stats weren't great as far as uh, actual hits and sacks and all that, but there was a period of time where it seemed like the defense was just was just right there about every single play. There was somebody there, the The bull rush, especially from the defensive linemen, and, you know, Rashawn and Zedarius and Preston, they were just in his face all day long. They weren't quite getting there, but they were just in his face. Like every play was like, Almost. And it paid off. I mean, the, the the ball started getting super erratic. No question they got bailed out by a lot of really bad passes, but I think that was uniquely bad for him. I think it was a similar situation to what we see with the Packers, right? The quarterback isn't necessarily that bad of a football player. It's just that things started to spiral out of control. They put the game on his shoulders. The pressure was getting there. The coverage was pretty tight. He started hearing footsteps, right? The defense did a good job of dictating to the offense as opposed to the other way around. And he, he started to panic, and you saw just a ton of erratic passes. I mean, I'm not even talking about the times when the ball got tipped or batted or, or whatever. I'm just talking when he had a, a relatively clean pocket and just threw a terrible ball. Defense got off the field on a couple of those. So I, I was I was happy with it. Obviously, it could have been better, but I loved what they did in the run game. I really did. I thought the penetration was unbelievable. Uh, there were a couple, maybe it, one in particular I can remember, maybe a couple times where the, the cutback was there. He was able to bounce it back outside and find another hole somewhere else, but but the lead play side of it, the defense was fantastic. I think it's just sealing that edge on the backside has been a consistent problem for the Packers. One of the things I noticed is it seems like they play off a lot, and I don't know if that's part of the scheme or what, but you'll have a guy like Adrian Amos who's kind of back a ways, and the problem is there's just too much space. Rather than coming in tight and really squeezing and pressing from the backside you've got a guy hanging back like you know adrian amos in a lot of space and now all of a sudden you give him a lot of room to work where he can kind of you got to make this big open field tackle as opposed to just squeezing him down from within the scheme or within you know using the defensive linemen who are pushing and squeezing from the front and from the other side continue to squeeze from the back Instead he's hanging back so that by the time he makes a cutback everybody else is out of the play and you got it's just you and him within ten yards and he makes you miss and now he runs for 15 yards. Don't put yourself in a position. And again maybe because he's a safety he's got to hang back on the off chance there's a pass or some kind of weird thing I don't know. But don't put yourself in a position where you got to hang hang back and make an open field tackle. Press him from the backside so that there's nowhere to go. I don't know, just a thought. But otherwise again. Fantas- and and just the aggression i mean there were t- there were times where not only did you have you know Montravius and uh Whoever it was on the play side really getting penetration, but then you had the linebackers just flowing in. I mean, it reminded me of what you see from like the Bears and stuff, where it just seems like there's 17 guys. Like, is anybody in coverage? Because you got 17 guys that just tackled our running back. Like, how does this happen? There's so much aggression and speed and and penetration, and it's just, it's great to see the Packers do it because you very rarely see it. Usually, even when it's a good play, they do a good job of just holding their area. And, br- and not letting him get through a hole and just kind of bringing him down for zero yard. This level of disruption where the offensive linemen are just kind of scattered all over the place, and you got you know guys just shooting through there, and then li- you know linebackers coming up and making the tackle. And it felt good to see it, really did. And uh, again, I, th- I think with the linebackers, there may be somewhat of a lack of of ability, but there's no lack of heart, man. These guys play violent, they play quick. They, I just, I really am s- starting to appreciate the linebacker. I don't know if they, they are going to be the long-term option, but I, I'm just, it, again, it's, it's similar to guys like Tyler Irvin or, or Malik Taylor. I don't know what their upside is, but I just appreciate having them on the team because I, I love the way they play. And I I'll, I, I, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think Packer fans in general are that way. Give me everything you've got, and we're going to appreciate you. Malik Taylor gets one catch a game, and everybody loves that guy. <laughs> Seriously. he just He just does his job. Right, if if your job is to convert one third down in a game and you do it, awesome. You get a jet sweep and run for nine yards, dude, my man. Right, Tyler Irvin's job is to run across the formation and do nothing else, and we love the guy. So similarly, when we got linebackers that, you know, granted maybe you're not the best in the world and you don't grade out all that well and you have a hard time getting off blocks and you know maybe you're not the greatest in coverage, or whatever, but man, you come with a full head of steam and just blast a guy. And, and when you get there, you wrap him up and you bring him down. Chris Barnes in particular. For, for whatever his faults may be, I don't know if I've ever seen the guy miss a tackle when he gets there. And a lot of these linebackers, and that's a big problem with the Packers in general. If we get linebackers that can just tackle, and I know Blake was that way, and and nobody seemed to like him, which I think was unfair. But if you can get there, wrap up, and bring him down, I, I I'm all I'm I'm all about it, man. I love that. So it's it's kind of a mishmash of guys with you know Chris Barnes and uh, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, but that's that's one of the things that I'm starting to appreciate about the defense in general. Um, there's, they're starting to become this, this violent edge to them. And I know they had a real hard time against Minnesota with tackling. It was a horrible effort with tackling and, and whatever, but there's just, I don't know, man, it's this game. It's, I think it was maybe, I don't know the last, last couple weeks, there's just been some kind of an energy. Amos has been playing violent. Jackson's always violent to a fault. Oren and Ty, uh, has really been stepping up in a big way. Something I never expected. Henry Black coming out of nowhere. Raven Green has, has maybe been leading the charge on that. I mean, the guy, he got his, his pick in this game, which is fantastic, but he's he's flying around the field. He's, he's, I'm really appreciating him. I mentioned a couple weeks ago how 50% of the time he was kind of an embarrassment. The other 50% of the time he looked like the best guy on the field. Uh, Kadar Holman, I thought, came up and, and played really well. Rashawn was impactful. Preston was impactful. Zadarius. Again, not, none of these guys did quite as much as I had hoped. But every single one of them got an, made an impact. It was Darius with the sack. Rashawn had several pressures. I mean, he He's always that guy that when there's a, a, a bad ball down the field, you hear Rashawn Gary on the pressure there. So it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. There was no sack. But we've had two picks this year because of Rashawn Gary pressures. We've had at least one in this past game because I heard it from the announcers in which a ball was thrown wildly erratically uh, because... Mr. Rashawn was in the guy's face. Um, Darnell, I don't know that he had the greatest game in the world. He's not maybe the most violent guy, but I thought he had a couple decent plays. I love the speed. I mean, there there are times when, you know, you think somebody kind of breaks free and here comes Darnell Savage and it's like he's just jogging. I mean, you're worried that maybe the guy can't get there and here comes Darnell just kind of squeezes him out of bounds real quick because he's just, he's blazing fast. And I love that he has the tools. Hopefully he can kind of pick up and start making some plays. I mean, th- this guy, I mean, he, to be fair, he's kind of, although he's not as good as Jair has been the past couple years, but you look at Darnell and you think, this is a guy with tons of potential that isn't living up to the potential. He's also got a bunch of dropped interceptions, and you're thinking, man, if he could just hold on to these, the stats would look great. These are all critiques we said about Jair in the past. Now, maybe Darnell never amounts to anything, I don't know, but um, we've been patient with Jair, and in, in, what is it, year three, he finally breaks out. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, also, big shout-out to Mason Crosby. Um, not only was Aaron Jones playing hurt and played really well, but Mason Crosby comes out, bangs a 53-yarder with a hurt calf. And it's just one of those things, like, we're, we're, we're trying to keep him from doing this stuff. We got J.K. on kickoffs just, just bunting it down the field. But uh, the, the the team needed him for a 53-yarder. He comes out and just drills it with a half an inch to spare. But anyways, uh, we got to quick take a break here. Probably should have done this already, but that's all right. A big shout-out to Aaron Miller, who jumped in on Patreon. If you want to help support the podcast, the best way you could possibly do that is patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can help support the show for as little as a dollar a month. As I've said, if everybody listening just gave $1, we're looking at actual legitimate income here. Just $1. I'm, I'm begging and pleading with you. Talk to the wife. Talk to your accountant, your financial planner. See if you can squeeze out a buck a month. It would absolutely mean the world to me, and I would really appreciate it. Also, as a reminder, I've got two things I'm working on. One is going to take a while, um, but I'm, I'm I'm getting all of my stuff transcribed, my episodes. I'm going to be turning those into um, posts on a website. And if you jump in on Patreon, I'm not exactly sure what tier. I believe I'm going to do maybe 5 bucks a month. Uh, what I will give you is access to that website so that you can go there and search all my episodes. Um, I'm using it currently, so where if I need to look up something that I've said in the past, I was curious, like when, what I was going on a a tangent about Bill Murray a while ago, and I was like, oh, when was that? I typed in Bill Murray, it showed me the exact episode. It was, for Halloween, I wanted to find that episode where I talked about the serial killer. So I looked up his name, I I searched it. Now, the the transcribing isn't exactly perfect, so you got to be a little, you know, but it's just, it's fantastic to be able to search stuff. So if you ever wanted to know what I've said about this player or that player, um, you'll be able to look things up. It's its not real pretty. It's pretty ugly. I'll see if I can try to clean it up a little bit, but uh, I also want to get it up. It's just a general resource, but it'll be uh, a cool little thing for the supporters to be able to go and um, just search my, my podcast and stuff. So again, I'm not exactly sure what tier. I got to set that all up. Also, um, anybody that is giving $10 a month or more will have access to a private Zoom session with Coach Hahn. So the plan, I believe, is going to be this upcoming Tuesday around 5 or 6 o'clock. So I will be dropping a Zoom link uh, when that becomes available. And that uh, that post will be able to be uh, seen by anybody that's in that tier or higher. So something to consider. If you're already given five, you bump it up, you'll be able to do a one-on-one zoom session with coach hawn you can ask him whatever questions you want about the game about the upcoming game uh about the last game about scheme whatever you want and to the best of his ability he'll be able to help you out with that so anyways let's uh let's take a break here and we'll come back and, and go over a couple other things for those of you wondering yes i've still got a bunch of iron jocks to give away i've just been a little bit overwhelmed with all the stuff that's going on so i'm putting a pause on that i know it seems silly right how hard can it be to ship stuff out yeah okay Come to my house and ship. You want to come be my shipping, I'll give you a hoodie for free. Or better yet, rather than waiting on me to untangle my life, why don't you just go to ironjock.com right now, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com, where you can check out their line of polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. Some of the most comfortable fabric you've ever felt in your life. This is groundbreaking science with technologically advanced super fibers. No, this isn't just some lame sci-fi movie. This is real life because Iron Jock infuses every single item that they own, that they produce, with silver ion. The silver ion is released when the fabric gets wet, which kills 99.9% of bacteria and fungus caused by sweating. It is also wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, and if you get your uh, hands on their long pants, shorts, hoodies, or running jacket, that has their Endurotech Plus fabric, which has all the stuff I listed, but is also water-repellent. So make sure you go check those things out at ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. For a closer look at their unique collection of apparel featuring silver ion technology, like them on Facebook. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at IronJock. And make sure you don't forget about my friends over at MyBookie. Obviously, 2020 has been a pretty crazy year, which is why you need a sports book that has pretty unique offers, because you got to keep up with the weirdness. So make sure you get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. No matter whether you are new to this or if you've been doing this for years, there's no shortage of value to be found with literally thousands of games. They got really unique prop bets. They got crazy contests every week. So sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. Just make sure when you do so, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway. I know, it's a new thing. Don't yell at me. I haven't been lying to you. I'm just telling you it changed. So if you put in $200, they're going to match that $100. So if you've been dragging your feet on this deal, you just cost yourself $100. Don't wait any longer. Sign up at MyBookie today. Use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match you halfway. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See, I knew if I'd be patient, the grades would pop up. (laughs) i've just been casually doing the podcast hitting refresh on pro football focus and boom grades are up this is how by the way if you follow me on twitter you end up getting some of the uh pff stats before anybody else because i sit here and hit refresh all day long oh oh it's making me happy folks oh and look at this i'll get i listen pff day is technically tomorrow but let me hit you with this little nugget Billy Turner at left tackle was the third highest graded player behind Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. So the pro-Billy Turner crowd, the, the anti-me-and-my-Billy-Turner rants, y'all won the day. Now, his his pass-blocking grade was insufficient, clearly, especially against, again, not a very good group. You worry about what he can do elsewhere. But it was it was fine. It was a 70. Now, understand, most of the time, the Packers' offensive line is like 80s. They're very good pass blockers. So being a 70 against this crew it makes me nervous, but borderline elite run blocking grade Billy Turner, all credit in the world. I'm you know what I'm not going to try to knock it down. Massive props to Mr. Billy Turner. In fact, I'm going to throw that on Twitter and let people just uh, hit me in the face with it. It's fine. I earned it. I talk about the guy. That that's the thing though. I got a podcast. It, it's you know, I'm telling you not to be ranting and raving on social media. I can't really avoid it when when I have a podcast unless I have a overly positive just say good things all the time kind of thing but i can't do that that's not my thing Ooh, some great news on defense too man i mean look there's a lot of bad and again the linebackers just get absolutely no love i shouldn't say that there, there are some there's one solid Nah, eh, that's not actually the defense is not good but there's there's one thing two things that get me really excited uh, but again that's for tomorrow da ha ha teasing you but uh ugh, see i'm kind of talking stats i should let's let's finish off the stats since I already kind of covered stats today. So defensively, since we talked already a lot about the offense, Zadarius Smith led with pressures. He had four total pressures on 21 attempts. That's fantastic. 21 attempts is not a lot. I know four pressures doesn't seem like a lot, but pretty basic math tells me that's 20%. Don't want to tip my hand too much here, so I'll try to mix these up a little bit. Guys that had two pressures. There's one other guy that's really exciting, so I'm going to say these in random order. Uh, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kingsley Kiki, all had two pressures. Of this group, everybody had under 20 attempts, which would be over 10%, with the exception of Kingsley Kiki, who had 25 pass rush attempts, only two pressures. Then you had Tyler Lancaster had one pressure on 13 attempts, Montravius one pressure on 14, and Randy Ramsey one pressure on 10, so a solid 10% for him. The only sack registered, obviously, was Zadarius Smith. We had four hits in the game, two of them from Rashawn, two of them from Dean, one from Kingsley, and two from Zadarius. Uh, one batted pass, you probably remember, from Mr. Preston Smith. Top tackler on the team was Ty Summers with five. I don't think that's what the other stats I was just looking at said. I thought they had somebody else. But either way, Ty Summers looking decent. In terms of stops, though, it was Chris Barnes. He had three tackles, all three of which were stops. So we're talking impact, impactful tackle. Once again, I'll tell you, he didn't grade out very well, but still, I appreciate the effort. Fantastic tackler. Um, Savage, Summers, and Zadarius had two. Talking about stops, and then basically the rest of the defense had one. Uh, Zadarius with one forced fumble. In the passing game, Josh Jackson was targeted the most, but only had four receptions. There were three players that gave up four receptions. Josh Jackson, four of seven for 33-yard. No touchdowns, interceptions, pass breakup, 69.3 overall his i'll I'll tell you now his coverage grade wasn't great but i think this in general is respectable i mean you can grade out as bad as you want all day long but if 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 people are catching four out of seven targets for 33 yards and no touchdowns i'll take that and i understand his coverage grade probably has a lot to do with the fact that he was penalized constantly probably should have been penalized at least one other time that he wasn't. I mean, they, he just can't help him. So he just he panics is what it is. He panics, and he starts grabbing, and it's just unnecessary. There were times when the ball was just nowhere near, and he just starts grabbing. He's got to stop, because he does a good job. He's he's in solid coverage. He does a great, I think, I like Josh Jackson. He just has to stop panicking and grabbing everybody. Um, Oren, four targets, four receptions for 76 yards, obviously not very good. Chris Barnes, four targets, four receptions for 53 yards. Stanford Samuels, three targets, two receptions, 11 yards. The only reason that one's a little bit more interesting is because he was only on the field uh, in coverage nine times. Kadar Holman was on the field uh, for coverage 20 times, only three targets, two receptions, 46 yards, but he did give up a touchdown. So obviously his passer rating is really low and his coverage grade is low and all that stuff. So that kind of stinks, but still excited about Kadar. Chandon, uh, one reception on three targets for only nine yards. Ty Summers, three targets, three receptions for 22 yards. That's 25 times in coverage, so pretty solid, especially for, as far as linebackers go, that was probably about as many as anybody, more than anybody else. Raven Green, two targets, zero receptions, including an interception, so he was obviously the coverage guy of the day jair alexander one target one reception for five yards obviously he wasn't in the whole day unfortunately his coverage grade was kind of low he didn't play very much if he would have been in longer i'm sure he would have had more of an impact his grades would have been higher but it is what it is either way hey padded the stats right you can't get yards on him when he's in the locker room concussed um, and then darnell savage uh, one target one reception for 36 yards he did have one pass breakup i don't know exactly how that works he broke up a pass in which he wasn't targeted? I don't I don't know. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Somehow there's two passes in there. One got caught, one got broken up, but he was only targeted once. Whatever. Uh, might as well look at the offensive line stats. The one sack in the game was actually from Billy Turner, so there you go. Uh, there were also five hurries in the game. Three were Aaron, put on Aaron Rodgers. One of them was Lucas Patrick. One of them was Rick Wagner. I want to go over these grades so badly, but I'm not going to. Um, I did have a question on Patreon about MVS and his dropping issues and where he ranks with all that stuff. I know we're trying to keep it a little bit positive, but um, since the question was asked and since you are a donor on patron, uh, Patreon, you are a patron on Patreon, uh, question by Eric Alcazar. So obviously drop percentage would be more, imp- more important than uh, drops, but I don't feel like doing that math right now. Um, in terms of total drops, DJ Moore and Stefan Diggs are tied with seven drops. Tyler Lockett has six, and then Julian Edelman, MVS, D.K. Metcalf, C.D. Lamb, and Cooper Cup all have five. So right now, MVS is tied for third most, and uh, he has roughly half as many as guys like, you know, half as many targets, that is, as guys like uh, Stefan Digg. He does, however, have about as many as Julian Edelman. He actually has two more targets than Edelman, so uh, those two guys right now are probably tied for the most droppy the other way to do this would be to just look at the drop grade because i'm sure it takes a lot of that stuff into account um right now equanimity st brown is actually <laughs> the second lowest grade uh mvs is the fourth lowest grade so both of these guys um, big time letting me down but again real solid day i'll go over more of the specific grades and stats tomorrow when we look at that kind of stuff um obviously it wasn't all great but very clearly, some reason for optimism. Um, we've, got, we've got some special stuff on this team. There's, there's issues. Of course there's issues. Every team has issues. Again, Tennessee just lost to what? The Bengals? Stuff happens, man. But uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing some of the best ball in his t- entire career. Devontae Adams is setting himself up to be one of the best wide receiver performances the Packers have ever seen. Uh, things aren't perfect, but they're, they're really, really good. So my uh, challenge to you would be to find a way to try to enjoy this massive victory over the 49ers a team that nobody expected us to win this year i mean to start the season i certainly didn't think we'd win it i understand the circumstances are different but oh well they're going to be different next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that so if you know what i mean you you can't know we're not going to win a super bowl how do you know what's going to happen you have no idea maybe the teams we go up against are all decimated with injuries and covid no we don't know but they got lined up against a professional football team with a pretty solid defense and an offense that clearly has enough talent to at least run the ball well against this defense, uh, the Packers' defense, and they just they didn't do it. The guys did step up. So, uh, again, enjoy it. Enjoy your Friday. And uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.